Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of this series, which is going to be focused on mentorship in exercise science. My name is Lauren Jenkinson, and I'm going to be your host. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing two of my colleagues at UHN Toronto Rehab's Cardiovascular Prevention and Rehabilitation Program. So the program, just for interest's sake, is a six-month outpatient program for cardiac patients who've had some sort of event, be it a heart attack, bypass surgery, a stroke. They'll come into the program once a week and learn how to exercise in order to reduce their risk factors for having future heart events. So that's a bit about the program. I'm currently a case manager in the program, looking after four different groups of patients. And one of the guests that I'll have on today is my initial mentor, Evelyn Foster, who's also a case manager. And she mentored me during my internship at the program about five years ago. So Evelyn will be one of our guests today. Our second guest will be Nicole Sanderson who is the advanced practice leader for the program. So she's somebody who summarizes best practice from the literature and brings it into the program so that we can implement it there. So I'm very excited to have both of them uh, with me today. And we're gonna pick their brains a little bit about how they view mentorship and the reasons that I found them to be such great mentors to me when I first started in the program and even to this day. So I hope you'll enjoy it. Okay, hello everybody. So I have Evelyn Foster and Nicole Sanderson with me today, which is very exciting. <laughs> Evelyn is waving, although you can't see it. So Evelyn and Nicole, I'd like to start by, if you don't mind, just is there something in particular that you wish a mentor had told you when you first started in this field? It, it applies for when I first started mm -hmm. in the field and, and for Evelyn. So prior to us being regulated as right. healthcare professionals, as a re registered kinesiologists, which has only been in the last six years, mm -hmm. really. Um, so I wish that my mentor had have told me the importance of a regulated healthcare professional background. So mm -hmm. it doesn't really apply sort of moving forward mm -hmm. for kinesiologists. But at the time, I noticed uh, in terms of job opportunity, mm -hmm. um, job opportunity and also remuneration for right. the work. Uh, if you were regulated, you made a lot more money and you mm -hmm. had a lot more possibilities mm -hmm. uh, for jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so some of the best uh, clinicians that I have worked with have been dual degreed, nursing right. and phys ed or nursing and yeah. kinesiology. Right, right, that makes sense. And for you, Evelyn, do you have any I, I would agree with mm -hmm. what uh, Nicole said. Uh, I look back at uh, probably the first mentor I had, um, and she was quite a, a tough a tough cookie. Mm -hmm. I didn't find her as supportive as you would want as a mentor. So it almost went the reverse for me that this is what I don't want to be. Right. And. Yeah. <laughs> Um, figure out what I do want to be mm. as a mentor. Mm -hmm. So in her own way, she was a mentor figuring out what I do want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and and opening my own doors. And as Nicole previously said, networking yeah. and meeting those people 
and uh, finding out what all the possibilities yeah. are out there. Yeah. And licensing, when I went through university, it wasn't even a topic, mm -hmm. it wasn't a discussion. Mm -hmm. When I went through phys ed, 99% of my colleagues went into teaching. Right. <laughs> I was probably one of the few, we could say the 1%, there's actually a couple of us that I know, that went into the health mm -hmm. field. Mm -hmm. So, so that's uh, in terms of mentoring, mm -hmm. kind of learned on my own what yeah. I don't want to be, and 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 then what do I want to be right. for for other students coming forward. Well, you certainly, from my perspective, you definitely learned from that experience. My dad likes to say everything is useful if only as a bad example. Yeah, <laughs> right, yes. you learn what you don't mm -hmm. want to do. Very true. Um, and having been mentored by you, Evelyn, I think that some of the things that make you so great as a mentor is how much patience you have um, for letting someone learn and taking their time. That's a huge part, and you're so thorough in your job, so it really, for me, it was, uh, it was a high standard to be held to in the best possible way of making sure that you're not missing really important details. And you, you inspire people to be curious, which I always really appreciated. Um, and also non-judgmental. It really made for perhaps in the opposite experience you had. It felt made me feel safe that I could learn and I could take guesses when you're asking me questions. And you wouldn't, um, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that I was completely lacking knowledge if I got something wrong. You'd be able to tell me, uh, guide me in the right path in terms of finding that. So I found that really wonderful, and I found you to be a great mentor. So, Nicole, when it comes to your role of a mentor for us in this environment, it's slightly less formal than an internship <laughs> that I had a mentor from Evelyn, but I come to you, not daily perhaps, but I probably would if I, if I could. <laughs> so how would you say that we can best support our colleagues, or um, what do you find is your approach for mentoring? Um, so for me, my approach is more coaching versus mm, mentoring. Right. I, because uh, you and Evelyn and others have so much clinical experience, every day you're gaining it, especially with such large caseloads. Um, I would never think that I'd be in a position to actually mentor you clinically. So I think about it more coming at it from a coaching perspective. Mm -hmm. So what questions could I ask you, Lauren, mm -hmm. or others, especially when they're first starting off in their career, to get them thinking about their career development? Right. And that's not really part of my role, but I just really enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. And um, because I had the benefit of that mm -hmm. when I first started. Yeah. And so it just feels right, and, it, and it's a lot of fun to do. Yeah. So when I think about uh, the advice for team members, and especially for people that are on a team and they're well established okay. in their career yeah. and they're confident at what they're doing, yeah. is to one, be genuinely interested in your colleagues, mm -hmm. especially the next generation coming up, because mm -hmm. that's just fun to watch, yeah. right? Yeah. And to, to be some part of that. The other is to look at um, and look for the unique talents in each of your colleagues. Mm -hmm. So find ways to bring those colleagues into the conversation with leaders when you're discussing something that they're really good at. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how to connect and, and really bring awareness to their unique talents. Right. Um, the third one, and I have four, so the list is, it does come <laughs> to an end. Uh, the third one is uh, to promote a growth mindset. So 
I love to ask the questions that, you know, where do you think you'll be at in five mm-hmm. years? Or are you thinking about doing more education? Just getting those conversations going and that whole idea that uh, whether you go back to school or you change jobs um, or you continuously learn within your own day-to-day practice, mm-hmm. all of that matters, like to mm-hmm. keep your feet moving. Mm-hmm. And then fourth, uh, to give credit to someone else instead of taking it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to treat your colleagues the way you hope they will remember you when you're gone. Yeah. So that's, those are my philosophies, and that would be my advice, yeah. Um, yeah, especially to well-established team members. Right, and I think that's an important point because when I would have first thought about mentorship, I always think about someone who's new to practice, right? A student, a new graduate, someone who's getting their feet wet, but as I get further into my career, I am recognizing more and more how important it is to continue to seek mentorship or give it, or both, um, no matter what stage you're at. It never sort of loses its value over time. So, yeah, and, yeah. That, and that important distinction between mentorship and coaching, yeah, and, yeah. and I think that really allowed me a space to feel where I could um, create positive change, mm-hmm. uh, recognizing that I work with some like very highly skilled people. Mm-hmm. Right? So. It's more the coaching. What questions can you ask to provoke change? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And that's in line with what you are very good at as a clinician as well. When you're coaching patients by asking open-ended questions, it probably comes naturally to you, and maybe that's why you get joy out of it. It used to. (laughs) It's been so long, and uh, I'm always envious of of the work that uh, you do, Lauren, and Evelyn. And Evelyn, years ago, we worked together, and she trained me. Right, right. Yeah, she was amazing. Remember when we worked together in the (laughs) classroom and you would ask me questions and get me thinking about things and to get me coming to an answer that she already knew. So yeah, Yeah. she she um, she's amazing. And and it's interesting because as I'm sitting here and thinking and listening to what you and Lauren are saying, and I'm thinking, but years ago you were like my mentor when it came to working here. And how it's come full circle and how we the three of us are in terms of mentoring each other and being there and being supportive of each other Mm -hmm. and isn't that I think what's so neat is uh, we learn from each other whether we're the mentor or the mentee or the coach on the side Uh, we're all learning and we're all benefiting Mm -hmm. we we don't we don't realize we're mentoring each other right every day Yeah. yeah 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 Yeah, it's and to your point, Nicole, like you kind of said that in that if you're finding the strengths in your colleagues mm-hmm. and you're building up those strengths in a very supportive environment, what could be better than that? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. No, I love it. So if you think about, you know, if it's a more formal mentorship, an internship or something like that, you may not um, get to choose who's coming into, you know, who's coming under your wing. But if you think about the people who you've worked with and some of the really good experiences you've had, uh, are there common themes in terms of attributes that those people had, things that you'd want to see in them growing as you're working with them? I think for me, one of the most important attributes that I see in, in any of students or staff that I'm working with are people who are not afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Willing to to learn, put themselves out there, and I think, like you said at the beginning, feeling that they're in a safe environment, mm-hmm. that it's okay to ask questions and not to know everything. Yeah. And I think, even as mentors, for myself, I'm quite comfortable saying, "I have no idea." Yeah, 
Yeah. So we can, an example would be, we use so many acronyms in our profession. <laughs> and when students say to me, what does that mean? And it's like, I, I can't remember. <laughs> you know, I can remember maybe two of the letters and that's about it. And I'll say, hold on, and I'll ask my colleagues. So I think it's, um, as a mentor, not to be afraid to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And for students coming in or fresh staff coming in and, and asking questions. Mm -hmm. I find when people don't ask questions, those are the people that I'm concerned about. Mm -hmm. yeah, so we, we talk about what makes a good, uh, a good scenario. That, to me, is yeah. what's great. Yeah. I, I remember a student in the past and she was quite phenomenal. She was great with the patients. Um, she knew the policy. She knew the procedures. Very, very smart at what she was doing. But when she would be working in a group with patients, I always said to her, I don't think it would matter if patients were there or not. You do the same thing right. over and over again. So she had all the, the smarts and the knowledge from school. Um, but when it came to working with patients in a group, I found that was lacking. But what made her really good in the long run was she was open to the constructive feedback and for the period of time that she was with me, I noticed the change. So people can come in and be at a very low level, finish at a very high level, and people can come in at a very high level and just stay static. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. That would be my answer to that question. Yeah, yeah. my answer. <laughs> Hi. Nothing else. Is I, I guess we're done thanks here. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Answer stealer. Um, so. CSEP certified members, remember to input today's code word into your portal account by selecting my account, then going to my profile and inputting the code word into the podcast reporting form. Today's PDC code word is tibial, as in a tibial fracture. Use the word tibial to get your PDCs on your portal. For me, what uh, gets my attention mm -hmm. are people that are passionate mm -hmm. and excited to learn. Mm -hmm. And the other one is have good emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Um, I left because, that one for you. Yeah, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Because um, that part's frustrating. Yeah. It's difficult to teach. Uh, I think there's uh, research on either side whether you can teach someone emotional intelligence or not. And, right. and you probably could to mm -hmm. some extent. Mm -hmm. It depends on how self-aware they are right. and willing to receive feedback, as, as Evelyn was stating. But those are the two things that I look at. So not and nowhere in there is skill level. Right. Because yeah. skills can be taught. Mm -hmm. If someone's passionate, mm -hmm. uh, they have an, um, a growth mindset, mm -hmm. and they have good self-awareness mm -hmm. and ability to interact with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that comes back to for sure being self-aware and also just being receptive to feedback yeah because it's it's hard to change something if you don't recognize that it might be important so yeah I think that they all come together in that way and, and also that um, you know where we mentor and coach in this setting yeah. uh, requires a, a skill set to be able to work within a team Sure. And, uh, you know, we've come across many terrific clinicians mm -hmm. that would be perfect for solo practice. Mm -hmm. They would do so well in a smaller practice. Mm -hmm. It's a whole other skill set to learn how to function effectively and uh, to have a team go to a, um, 
a more optimal level, you need you need the team skills mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So I guess if you were if you were somebody who is searching for a tutor, a mentor, a coach, um, is there anything from your experience either when you were younger or when you were searching or as someone who has been sought out that you would put definitively in a do or don't category? When you're seeking a mentor, are there certain things that you'd suggest people don't really do or certain things you'd suggest they do um, in order to help them get someone helping them? Uh, sure. So I have uh, two do's and one don'ts. All right. Okay. I like the positivity. So, all right. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, number one in the do is be selective. Yeah. Uh, pick a mentor that you respect and trust. Mm-hmm. This is important because to grow, you will need to take risks, mm-hmm. uh, make yourself vulnerable, and you will be better able to do this with someone who handles people carefully. Mm-hmm. And I think that's to Evelyn's point uh, in the beginning is uh, sometimes we learn from others about how we don't want to be yeah. uh, from experiences. If you're in a work environment and you're able to watch the people around you, mm-hmm. pick someone that you would feel safe with to be able to make mistakes because that's the only way you're, you're best mm-hmm. growing mm-hmm. and um, you want to feel safe mm-hmm. with them doing that. The other do is to be as clear as possible in what you're expecting or need from your mentor. Yeah. So even in your head thinking, I need X, Y, and Z, um, who are the people that I could get that from and, and would I feel safe with them uh, learning from them mm-hmm. and then finally and this is really important um, so don't so you want to avoid mentors that constantly look frazzled even if they are highly skilled and this is where I've come across this um, they will in the end they will likely not have the time or the patience to do a good job mentoring you so they're the they're the clinician that uh, gets stressed very easily overwhelmed uh, you'll probably ask them they won't want to say no they'll take you on and you will constantly feel like you're interrupting them trying to get space with them to learn and uh, you'll find yourself apologizing over and over again and it's not a good learning experience that's been mine mm-hmm. um, and that's difficult because some people have some great skills that you really want to <laughs> learn from yeah. but it's that's a real challenge to pick oh, someone like that as a mentor. Yeah, definitely. I think, full disclosure, the first time that I officially took a student from the program that I graduated from, I learned a lot about trying not to be the type of person you just described. If you're frazzled yourself, then that's not that's not the optimal person to be looking after, not even looking after, but just helping someone else develop, right? You really have to set goals together to make sure that you're on track and Obviously, there's room for room for divergence and learning in that way, but and and to your credit, Lauren, the fact that it, the first couple of people that you take on, you're learning yeah. like what works <laughs> and what doesn't, and uh, and I know you and that you take on a challenge. You you so I was super excited when you came on board because you were excited excited to learn you're a sponge I would hear other people say she's just like a sponge (laughs) she's going to be one of the best supervisors we've ever had with patience because she loves to learn and she's always asking and not afraid of hard work and all those pieces Uh, so it's hard to say no when you're asked to Mm -hmm. to mentor students or another staff member but and it's always harder in the beginning but I bet that it's just so much smoother for you now the more students you take yeah, I think it's getting there, and, and as Evelyn said, it's important to reflect and 
take each experience and really think on it and think on what went well and think on how you can improve it the next time around. But I'm still blushing from all that, so thank you. <laughs> yes, that was sure. wonderful. Yeah. You good. Your blushing looks very good. Well, yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. Evelyn, do you have hard do's or don'ts? So or soft I, do's I or think, don'ts? You know, Nicole really he summed it up for mm-hmm. me, too. I think in regards to people that are looking for mentors, mm-hmm. um, meeting with different people mm-hmm. and, and seeing what works for you mm-hmm. and what may not be the right fit. You may not have that choice and that opportunity to do that, but if you do, I think interviewing and seeing if it is a good fit is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, for for students looking for the mentor is being honest with them in terms of this is what I have to offer, this mm-hmm. is what I know, this mm-hmm. is what I've learned in school, this is what I don't know. Yeah. This is what I want to know, right? And I think that needs to be stated at the very beginning in terms of having that open conversation, so that we're both on the same page. And for the period of time that we're together, that uh, we work towards that common goal. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that would be my takeaway for mm-hmm. for these students. Mm-hmm interview, mm-hmm. make sure it's a good fit, mm-hmm. and and if they are running into problems with their mentor, not to be afraid to speak up mm-hmm. and say, this is what I need, right. um, this is what I need more of. Right, yeah, and I think that it's interesting that you say that, like it's important to put forward what you're hoping to get out of it or put forward why you're interested in the first place. It's funny because when I graduated university, I think LinkedIn was just at its birth and I had learned what LinkedIn was, but it wasn't very popular. And now, you know, only five or six years later, I've had a few people reach out and say on LinkedIn, they'll send you a message and they'll say, I see you work at cardiac rehab. Can I chat with you about it? And so that's a great introduction. It's a great way to, to meet up with someone who you might not previously. But I think that the ones that really make me want to meet up with them or have a you know a phone call or meet for coffee is someone who says, this is my background and this is why I'm interested in cardiac rehab and I want to know this and that about the job you do. The more detail you get, the more interesting it sounds to, to help them along or at least you have sort of an idea of, of what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I, I think important. also, uh, you know, looking at students these days is also reminding them to attend conferences and attend walk workshops and go outside of the learning of the school and what a great way to to meet different people and to get into the networking and uh, I just think there's so many more opportunities out there these days like you're saying versus when I went through school right we didn't we didn't have those opportunities no. we didn't we, have we, internet we had typewriters okay? so we didn't have computers at that time so I, I think it's there's so much more in terms of opportunities for for these students and uh, for the schools to help these students be aware of it. And it's not just in university, mm-hmm. it's in mm-hmm. high schools where they do have the mentoring mm-hmm. programs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think 
this is where it begins at a young age. Mm-hmm. And then to take that even further beyond schooling as well, right? Even yes. as, a, as a clinician, as a professional, yes. still making use of conferences. You know, you've got CSEP national conferences, you've got OSHF um, provincial conferences, you've got conferences run by whatever field you're in. We've got tons of cardiovascular conferences. And then outside of conferences, there's even less structured webinars are available, workshops. So there's tons of different ways to to reach out to people now, which mm-hmm. is which is nice. And all these options. lunch and learns, and yeah. whether they happen here or they happen at other organizations, and uh, and and checking all of this out. There's there's so many wonderful opportunities mm-hmm. these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to go in a completely different direction, <laughs> I guess we could we could tie it to conferences. In if there was a conference that was not in your field whatsoever that you would love to go to or even if there was just a different career path that you might have chosen if it wasn't exercise science, what would that be? For me, um, over the last couple of years, I've become more interested in um, animals, of course. Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Nicole is a cat lover, a big time cat lover. All animals. That's true, as long as they're furry. uh, All animals, uh, and uh, I would be a pet detective. For sure, um, but that aside, mm-hmm. because my yeah, my partner would not allow it. Uh, I an area that is getting more traction, mm-hmm. I think, in hospitals and in all job sectors, and one that I I'm becoming more aware of and much more interested in is in diversity. Yeah, at uh, our place at the hospital that we work at. They're a small group that runs the diversity office, mm-hmm. but they do uh, really important, uh, highly valuable work mm-hmm. around protecting uh, staff, students, mm-hmm. volunteers, and patients, their yeah. human rights. Mm-hmm. So that's an area that uh, is piquing my interest, mm-hmm. and I think an area where I would like to go in yeah. the future, yeah. learn more about and see how I can be part of a, a positive change that I'd like to see. Yeah, yeah, no, that's wonderful. And I've seen the committees that you're part of, and getting more events happening to bring awareness to staff, bring awareness to patients. Yeah. That said, I'm happy to find your pet should it be lost anywhere. Great. Yeah. And a diverse range of pets. And, it, and we appreciate Absolutely. That. We yeah. respect yeah. all the rights of the animals. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And we'll protect them. <laughs> How about you, Ev? So, so it's, a, it's a great question, and I say it to myself quite often. Mm-hmm. And, and I say it to my son on a regular basis mm-hmm. in terms of if he wasn't studying, what he's studying now, what would he want to be doing? Mm-hmm. And his answer right now is, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And Perfect. I'm in the right field. Yeah. So I would have to say for myself, I feel like I'm in the right field of being in cardiac rehab. It was a dream of mine when I was six years old, with my dad being the first bypass patient on the program. It was a dream. Then when I got into se- working with seniors, I love working with the elderly, so I feel blessed in both of those areas. But if I'm going to go outside the health field, <laughs> I love art. Yeah. So I would love to be a curator of a, a museum. Right. Uh, oh, that's but, cool. Yeah. I, that would be something. I love glass. I love paintings. I love sculptures. I love Rodin. So I would love to see if, if I, you know, when I retire at the Freedom 95, that may be a <laughs> route that I, that I look into. Yeah. And, and also taking from Nicole, I love animals. Yeah. So um, volunteering yeah. and doing work at animal shelters yeah. and... Um, taking care of sick animals 
and, and probably taking care of animals who are living with cardiovascular disease. Oh, bringing it all together. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. Do you think you could make the first animal therapy museum where people go look at art, but they also get to pet dogs? Oh my gosh. I think that would be, that would be wonderful. Okay. Maybe we should copyright this. Okay. Before. Nice. <laughs> this is very good. This uh, is now very good. I'm thinking okay. about cardiac rehab for pets. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so, I mean, it does come first circle and I guess selfishly, mm-hmm. um, as, as, both of you know my my dog, who I did have, have. The reason I went for this particular breed is because they're known for cardiovascular disease, and I thought I could do cardiac rehab for my little Murphy, mm-hmm. and um, so that was that was part of it. So I think if we can get a license and set up a program and do cardiac rehab for for our pets. Mm-hmm and animals, I think that would be a wonderful thing. If, to, to kind of wrap things up then, because you've shared your obvious passion for exercise and helping people um, promote their health through exercise, and you've shared our other passions. So if you had, because we're dreaming big here right now with our museum, if you had infinite resources, money or otherwise, what is something you would do to improve the health of all Canadians, two-legged or four-legged? Well, uh, so, so my idea. So you have to listen to this from start to finish. Okay. And we will. Um, it's very expensive because you said that it's an yeah, unlimited got, budget. Okay, budget. so here we go. Um, there is a super expensive new drug, uh-huh. Lauren and Evelyn, coming out. Okay. It reduces heart disease by sixty percent, uh-huh. cancer by twenty-seven percent, Alzheimer's by fifty percent, and arthritis by forty-seven percent. It's our best treatment for fatigue and low back pain. Mm-hmm. It cures a third of erectile dysfunction and cuts anxiety and depression by 48%. People may even feel better with it. Ah. Okay, it's not new <laughs> or expensive or even a pill. It's walking. It's walking. If I had to pick one thing, I'd say movement is the best medicine. And that's a quote from uh, Dr. Mike Evans, who's a staff physician at St. Mike's Hospital and uh, a guru (laughs) in the area. So because I looked at your question ahead of time, and I thought, oh, my gosh, what will I do? And I was thinking about CSEP's uh, philosophy and uh, around movement, and especially some of the, the guidelines that are being put out in the last couple of years around a 24-hour uh, day of movement, mm-hmm. I thought he that fits perfectly. Yeah. So I think just getting people moving. I love that. And that's a, I, I thought that sounded familiar because mm-hmm. we, show, <laughs> we show a video in our program, 23 and a half hours by Dr. Mike Evans. And uh, yeah, so if you hadn't seen it, check that out. But okay, so you would just get everyone walking. Yes. You have all the resources in the world. All pets and all, all pets people. Too. Okay, everybody gets yeah. a pet. Everyone moves. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I'm speechless, right? And it takes a lot for me to be speechless. So, yeah. so that really says it all in my world. <laughs> if I had to find something beyond that, and, and I don't plan what I'm going to say, but so <laughs> I, I'm coming up with this now, is I would like to see more cardiac rehab programs for the frail elderly yeah. set up throughout the city of uh, Toronto and... Uh, in the surrounding areas. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond. Unlimited budget. Beyond. We could do this yeah. across Canada. Yes. We could do it yes. across the world. Yes. Why not? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. and, and I think the three of us are the right people to do this. I think so too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. Whoever's listening, if there's two people, if there's 20, maybe they'll get on board too. Yeah. Maybe. We can yeah. grow. We right? can grow this we're, thing. We're, we can do we're, this. We're open to everybody yeah. That's nice. joining us. Yes. That's nice. That's nice. You can mentor them. We'll, we'll all, we'll do all it coach together. them. We'll Nicole will coach them. <laughs> we'll all do it together. That's perfect. Okay, so maybe we should stand for our last question because okay. we've, yeah, we were just talking about moving and then, but we can't be too far from the microphone. Hold on. So, very last question, and it's a doozy. Is there anything I should have asked that I haven't yet that you want to share? If you had a pearl of wisdom that you wanted to plug relating to mentorship or coaching, you've just finished. Nothing burning on the. Do you want to go first? Then? No, no, you go. You do go. you want to arm wrestle? No, you go. You go. You're so, much stronger. So I'm thinking about uh, women. Yes. And mm. having uh, families mm. and the impact that that can have positively mm. and negatively on a career. Uh, that might be a great podcast uh, for mm. the future. I I would. One piece of advice that I was given when I first started was that I would never have the same career if I chose to get married and have children. Oh my goodness. And and I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of truth to that, yeah. uh, but what I can say in my N of one mm-hmm. was that I, I did have a family and yeah. I have two beautiful kids uh, for that. And I was able to come back to the career that I had. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes it is possible yeah. uh, for women to to have what is reasonable with a mm-hmm. family and career balance. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think anyone in an exercise uh, professional role, mm-hmm. I think you could definitely do that. Yeah. So that would be my plug for young women that yeah. are getting into the field. This is a great field for families right. as well. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I think something that you pointed out that... I've experienced as well is that you may get really great advice and sometimes you get advice that might steer you in a way away from something that could have been wonderful Mm -hmm. right if you had listened to those people and I remember having a family member and I won't say who but quite frankly it's because I can't remember who it was (laughs) but someone told me when I was studying kinesiology in university they said don't even bother the market is so saturated everyone wants to be a physiotherapist you'll never get a job and you know that kind of threw me off for a couple of years and I think I started out in my my major was chemistry actually but I always knew that I preferred to be in exercise science and then once I had my first exercise science elective I just said well I'll take the chances <laughs> but yeah there is sometimes you get advice that's not exactly helpful mm-hmm. so I appreciate you sharing that too and I guess when it uh, so if I think of some not so great advice or um, when I interviewed somewhere mm-hmm. and I was told, I was asked, why do I want a full-time job? Yeah. And uh, I gave my reasons mm-hmm. and obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And I was told, because you live at home, why do you need a full-time job? Why would you be taking it away from somebody else? Oof, that's a doozy. Wow. And that, that could have turned you off and yet it it actually yeah. motivated me more yeah it uh it, it shook it shook a lot of the stuffing out of me and um it did give me more of uh an incentive mm-hmm. to go out and prove myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so all i can say to everybody out there is follow your passion mm-hmm be happy with what you're doing Mm -hmm. and if you're not happy Mm -hmm. with 
the line of work you're you're in mm-hmm. find something that you want to wake up to mm-hmm. and enjoy going to and being passionate about it okay that's the bottom line mm-hmm. I, think. I agree yeah well that's just probably a perfect way to wrap up so thank you both for being here so appreciate it thank you for having us (laughs) we hope we can do it again yeah we'll see if they allow us back she's going to invite us back (laughs) oh i I think in our new clinic and you think so yeah i think lauren i I trust lauren you provide the dogs i'll show up with the podcast we'll do it we'll see you there and maybe a horse too i i know a horse i could bring a horse (laughs) okay i'm cutting us off Well, that wraps up our very first episode with my guests Evelyn Foster and Nicole Sanderson from UHN Toronto Rehab's Cardiac Rehab Program. I hope you enjoyed the interview with them. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast and rate it using whatever streaming service you are listening on. You can also share this podcast with friends and connect with us on social media or by email. If you have ideas for future episodes, contact links are in the show notes for each episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.